Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. This might be the uh, the most liked tweet I have ever tweeted, although I guess now it would be an X. It's the highest rated X I've ever had. Um, do you know who Alyssa Farah Griffin is? Alyssa Farah or Farah? She's on The View. She's the quote-unquote conservative <laughs> on The View. And uh, she does not allow anybody to comment on her tweets unless... She follows them or she mentions them in the tweet, which is, you know, the way you shut down any kind of challenging ideas from breaking through the echo chamber. Now, I I know Alyssa Farah because she used to be the press secretary for Mark Meadows when he was a congressman. And Meadows was my congressman out in Asheville. And so whenever I would try to line up an interview, I would talk to Alyssa. She then went over to work for the House Freedom Caucus. And so whenever I would book interviews with Freedom Caucus members, I would talk to her to do that. And then I think she went off to work in the Trump administration, I believe. And now she's landed at The View. And I don't know. Like, I, I, look, I don't know. That's the extent of my interactions with Alyssa. I, I don't know who she is as a person, right? I've spoken to her maybe once or twice on the phone ever in my life, but... We had a working relationship via email that was like, hey, you want something from me? I want something from you. Let's trade, right? <laughs> that was the relationship. So, all right. So that that's just full transparency. I'm not pretending like I'm good friends with her or anything. I just, I know her. And so she followed me on Twitter all those years ago. So I'm, I, I'm behind the, the, the curtain here. And so I get to make a comment where I see she says things and people try to respond and they they can't because she she's locked them out. So here's what she says. Joe Biden should not be impeached. One can strongly disagree with his policies while also recognizing lowering the bar for impeachment of POTUS would be irrevocably damaging to our institutions. This will set the stage for every future POTUS to be dragged through a show impeachment. Too late. <laughs> We're already in it. And I said to her, I made that argument, this precedent argument. I made that argument when Trump was impeached the first time over the perfect phone call, right? I, I said, if you go down this path, then you should expect your next president to be impeached too for far less because that's how slippery slopes work. This is what I was arguing. But the problem with the presidential argument is, not presidential, but precedent Shul, precedent argument, is that the precedent has already been set. There already is the new precedent, and it was Trump with the call with Zelensky. Also, I said the constitutional text is pretty clear. Bribery is one of the listed offenses. It's an, it, like high crimes, misdemeanors, bribery. It's right there in parchment and ink. So 
it wasn't even like they had to kind of figure out a way to get Trump with the Zelensky call quid pro quo or something, right? They, they, you don't even have to worry about any of that because it's literally right there in the text. Now, you can say he's not guilty, not enough evidence, whatever, but launching an impeachment inquiry into bribery charges is totally 100% within the reading of the constitutional text. The precedent already set. Even, But here's the thing. Even if you didn't in, in, impeach Trump, even if we didn't start off in that spot, Biden would still be impeachable because of the nature of the evidence and the fact that bribery is one of the listed offenses. So, And that's what he's suspected of engaging in. So why shouldn't an impeachment inquiry be launched? So this thing is now, I'm watching the ticker. This is as close as I've ever seen any of thing that I've ever done become viral. So, like, that's pretty, but I see no notifications because, I don't know, everything's shut down on it. But, uh, yeah, it's like got 1,200 likes at this point. To the moon, shall we go? All right, a couple, uh, couple of messages. Uh, if only we could see the draft and final document that both sides were ready to sign if the judge was to approve the plea deal. I believe that if Judicial Watch were to get a Freedom of Information Act request and get a copy, we would learn that the plea deal would have barred any prosecutions for all crimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that is, I mean, that is what it sounds like. That's my reading between the lines. I come to the same conclusion. Um, all right, let me shift gears here, and I'll give you updates if we get... Um, Okay, hang on a second. Fox News reporting up here. Hunter's attorneys still working with judge on plea deal. Wow. So this thing's been going on now, what, three hours? So not sure that's the way they drew it up. All right. Let me, uh, let me give you a, a couple of uh, comments here from Abigail Schreier. And she writes at Substack. She wrote a book a couple of years ago. She was actually one of the first people uh, to explore the transgenderism uh, contagion. And uh, she, the name of the book was called Irreversible Damage. Three years ago, she wrote this. And she says, a lot of people ask her, you know, why are you, like, causing trouble? Why are you going to these places? Because she does. She goes to, like, leftist strongholds in order to make her arguments that the transgender phenomena if you will like the rise the spike in all of the cases and all of this new focus and everybody you know with the quote affirmations of such um that this is all you know it, it'll you know why are you first they ask why are you going to these places and, and and stirring the pot causing trouble but she says a mistake lies at the heart of that question which is this idea that the pendulum is going to swing back in the other direction that that there will be a course correction here at some point and she disagrees with the fundamental assumption there. She says gender ideology isn't a pendulum. She's not going to swing back the other direction. It is because she calls it a fundamentalist religion. And I'm seeing more and more uh, of uh, these types of arguments being made. And I have to tell you, they are pretty persuasive. For example, um, induction into the religion begins with a baptism. What is the baptism? The selection of pronouns. Right? 
maybe change of a name, which is also, right, when you're baptized or confirmed in the Catholic Church, you take a name, right? And it's greeted with all of the celebration of a conversion. It evangelizes aggressively through social media influencers who claim to know a teenager's truest self better than her parents and to love that teen so much more than the parents ever could. Therapists, teachers, and school counselors play evangelists to numberless kids at American schools. There's no physical evidence that any of us possesses an ethereal gender identity. It may actually be disprovable. There's a good deal of evidence against it, actually, but it doesn't matter. The adherents take this on faith that, you know, oh, they knew they were a different gender in the mother's womb, which is weird because, like, you're not even a person, I thought, but whatever. The notion that each of us is born with a gender identity utterly separable, different from our physiology, from the sex, known only to us is this gender identity. Well, that imagines gender identity as the secular version of the soul, right? So many of these quasi-religions, these belief systems that that we're seeing being constructed, why are we seeing so many of them? I would submit it's because people need something to believe in. They need a higher power. Most people, not everybody, hashtag not all people, but most people need a higher power, need something to believe in. And when you rip away all of the, uh, the pillars of a society that are rooted in you know, organized religion itself, th- then they will fill that with something else. We saw it with environmentalism, and I think this is what wokeism or transgenderism, that's what's filling that vacuum. Gender ideology is policed also by blasphemy laws, right? They're looking to assign criminal and civil penalties to healthcare workers who intentionally misgender patients, landlords who intentionally misgender tenants. Outside of statutory law, most social media services will exile you if you're caught blaspheming. What else? Um, Well, uh, the adherents of the gender orthodoxy reserve their greatest ire for apostates, right? People who leave the faith. Who are they? Detransitioners. Have you ever seen the abuse these these people get directed at them? I have a story from uh, of a local person. And finally, gender ideology is full of holidays. One or two in every calendar month, except August. Apparently, there's no need to celebrate when there's no school. Totally coincidental, I guess, but whatevs. Much like the Amazon and Spotify employees in America who quit over the company's refusal to delete my book or interviews, it is insufficient for adherents to criticize me or to decline to read my book themselves, she says. They, de- they demand a world in which no one can hear my sacrilege, read my writings, or obtain my book. It's very Taliban-esque. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouches, military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouches is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouches. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will 
will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Got this message from Dina who says, or Dinah, who says, um, how does one prove that misgendering is purposeful versus by mistake? Even if one is asked to use a different pronoun, it may accidentally slip out the wrong way later, which is likely to happen. What an incredibly indecent way to clog up the legal system and or lose good employees. You're right. So here's um, here's how you know um, the if it was a purposeful mistake is if the person you say it to already hates you, then it's not a mistake in their mind. And there's no way to know any of their thoughts until after the offense. See, clear as, clear as day, right? Bright lines right there. We can all follow. You just have to uh, remember to put on your ESP goggles before you leave the house every day. Okay. Um, so back to Abigail Schreier's piece. She writes at Substack. She's the author of a book that was three years ago. It was called Irreversible Damage. And she talks about how, uh, you know, people are starting to think that, oh, maybe the fever is breaking on this gender ideology stuff because, you know, we've seen some news articles that admit the risks of gender medicine. Um, you know, two and a half years after her book pointed out the very same risks and more than a year after England, Finland, France and Sweden all halted or curtailed pediatric gender treatments because of them. Right? But these news articles, these thought pieces in the West now do not represent the start of genuine debate at publications that all but refused it, and they ought not to be misinterpreted as such, she says. They are a pawn sacrifice. They are offered with an eye toward winning a larger war. It's a tactical pivot, not a retreat, and it does not signify a new era of real debate in the, mean, in the media or in elite institutions, that's not what's happening. She said when she published her book three years ago, she predicted that medical malpractice lawsuits would end the social contagion and irresponsible disaster of pediatric gender medicine. Now, she says, I'm not so sure. As of now, too few doctors are willing to testify in the trials. Always the same handful of names, the courageous and honorable few, against a growing legion of ideologue experts, quote-unquote, newly minted and prepared to die on the sword of ideas so fanciful only the true believer could hold them. I think I, I just saw uh, a friend of mine uh, sent me a message with a screenshot, and it was from, what, East Carolina? Let me see here. Yep, here it is. East Carolina University will become a nationally recognized provider in LGBTQ+. Hello, what about the two spirits? These LGBTQ+, health care services and education. We'll address the gap in patient care for pediatric and adult residents in eastern North Carolina and lead rural health care excellence for this population. So... More and more uh, uh, hospitals and medical centers are, are going down this path. It's a very lucrative path. Once you get people hooked onto the, quote, affirmation, 
or I would say denying care, quote unquote care, once they get hooked on the puberty blockers and the hormones and the surgeries, they are a patient or client for life. That's not me saying that. That's a representative out of Tennessee, out of the hospital system, telling fellow hospital employees that this is essentially a cash cow for the hospital. Have you heard of Helen Joyce? You will in a minute. All right. Um, Abigail Schreier wrote a book called Irreversible Damage. And she talks in her uh, one of her uh, recent pieces at her uh, substack called Little Miss Trouble, uh, describing herself and why she goes and, and takes on these fights in these left-wing captured institutions uh, to, to push back against what she calls, essentially, this is uh, the gender ideology. It's a religion. And she sounds very, uh, very similar to a woman named Helen Joyce, who calls the transgender movement, this ideology, uh, this phenomenon, she calls it a culture-bound syndrome. And it's a contagion, but it's culture-bound. It's not rooted in physiology, science, psychology. It's not, according to her. Um, And when Abigail Schreier was writing, she says that she thought originally that there was going to be this tide turn when the lawsuits start raining down on these medical providers when a couple years you know, down the road we get and you've got kids that were transitioned that had body parts chopped off and uh, you know, they've been put on hormone treatments and such and it has caused all sorts of problems for them for the rest of their shortened lives. Um, that once the medical professionals start getting sued, that that's going to turn the tide. She was hopeful at the time when she wrote her book three years ago, but now she's not so sure because it has taken on, this gender ideology has taken on all of the tenets of a religion. And now Helen Joyce makes a point about this. It's not from a religious standpoint. She's an atheist, by the way, but it's not from a religious standpoint. It's more from a self psychological preservation standpoint. She appeared on a podcast with Peter Bogosian, who wrote along with Helen Pluckrose and uh, James Lindsay. They wrote the papers, the fake papers that got published in, you know, the social science (laughs) websites and magazines and such. And they made up just ridiculous premises uh, like the racist dogs at the dog park because they wouldn't associate with certain, they just made up all this woke garbage And they got some of them printed. And they did it to expose the utter academic bankruptcy at these, quote-unquote, scientific magazines. Okay? So Peter Bogosian has his own podcast. And uh, he has Helen Joyce, who is a researcher. She was a journalist at The Economist and such. She's Irish. And so, not that that's a qualification or anything. I'm just pointing it out. She has an accent. So, uh but she and, and apparently her whole family are like world renowned uh, cricketers, cr- cricketeers, cricket, cricketmen, cricketers, whatever, cricket players. They're like professionals. They are like like royalty in cricket world. She is not. But that's why she's a big defender of women's sports. And she's not even a sportsy kind of person, she says. But here's what she said about. 
why this uh, this this culture bound syndrome is not going to go away anytime soon. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who can't move on on this, and um, because that's the people who've transitioned their own children. So those people are going to be like you know the Japanese soldiers who were on Pacific islands and didn't know the war was over. Right. They've got to fight forever. This is why this is another reason why this is the worst, worst, worst social contagion that we'll ever have experienced. A lot of people have done the worst thing that you could do, which is to harm their children irrevocably because of it. Those people will have to believe that they did the right thing for the rest of their lives, for their own sanity and for their own self-respect. So they'll still be fighting. And each one of those people destroys entire organizations and entire friendship groups. Like I've lost count of the number of times that somebody has said to me of a specific organization that has got turned upside down on this. Oh, the deputy director has a trans child or, you know, oh, the journalist on that paper who does special investigations has a trans child or whatever. The entire organization gets paralyzed by that one person. And it may not even be widely known at the organization that they have a trans child, but it will come out like people will have sort of said it quietly and now you can't talk truth in front of that person and you know you can't because what you're saying is you as a parent have done a truly like human rights abuse yes. level of awful thing to your child that cannot be fixed there are specific individuals who are really actively against women's rights here and it's not known why they are but i happen to know through the back channels that it's because they've trans their child and so those people will do anything for the entire rest of their lives to destroy me and people like me because people like me are a standing reproach to them. I don't want to be. I'm not talking directly to them. I don't spend my time bitching about them. But the fact is that just simply by saying we will never accept natal males in women's spaces, well, it's their son that we're talking about. And they've told their son that he can get himself sterilized and destroy his, his um, sexual function and women will accept him as a woman. And if we don't... There's no way back for them and their child. They've sold their child a bill of goods that they can't deliver on. And I'm the one who has to be bullied to try to force me to deliver on it. So, th so those people are going to be the people who will keep this bloody movement going, I'm sorry to say, because they've everything to lose. And it's a fight to the death as far as they're concerned. That's Helen Joyce. You can see why people... <laughs> have strong opinions about her and uh, what she says. Why people hate her and fight her and protest her, try to cancel her. Because she says no. And the, like, the irony is that she's, she actually doesn't, like, she doesn't, uh, she's not seeking to discriminate or anything. All she's saying is women's sports need to be protected from males playing against them. Women's spaces need to be protected. And no, I'm not going to give up these protected spaces. There's a reason why society did this is because it was of value. It's amazing how far removed we are from HB2, yet we're still fighting over it because so many people caved at the very beginning. They caved on HB2. Little did we know, what, eight years down the road, you know? think. I mean, it's been about eight years, right? So we're almost at the end of Roy Cooper's term. And so, uh, and that's what he, you know, ran on the first time around against McCrory. That this fight and the, the pendulum, like it's not, it's not swinging back the other direction anytime soon. That's what, that's what the takeaway is from both Abigail Schreier and Helen Joyce. It's a long haul 
All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings education and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? All right. Mark, welcome to the program. Hello, Mark. Hello, Pete. I was uh, listening in very interest with the... um individual that uh, I really want to say, and I'm going to be blunt, that it was a word salad, and yet uh, this individual used the word woman, so it's obviously the person knows what a woman is. But on to my... What, wait, what words, who, there were two different people I've quoted from. One was Abigail Schreier, and the other is Helen Joyce. That was the soundbite. Who are you saying spoke in the word salad? Uh, the, the latter before the break. Do you think you think the soundbite I played was word salad? Yeah, I, she, she, the per- person seemed prepared and articulate. Yet, I'm not acquainted with all of this jargon. Okay, and and trying to get something subliminally across. But back to your point in calling what we were we are discussing here on. Um, in taking a form of a religion, in then it goes then it's then it's obvious to ask both of these people, well, what is? I seem to think that your points you made here in these quotes um, of that being taken as a religious concepts. What is your definition of religion? I'm going to ask answer my I'm ask I'm going to answer my own question. A very old book by a John A. Hutchinson, I-S-O-N, called Paths of Faith, makes a two-word definition on what is a religion. Ultimate concern. So religion doesn't have to be capitalized unless it's at the beginning of a sentence. It's a generic term. Okay. So uh, we do have to treat these people as having an aberrant religious concept, and there are materials going back to the mid-80s and the late-80s on how to deal with religious cults, and that definition is pretty much uh, established among Britannica Dictionary, Webster's, the iterations of that, and other dictionaries. Okay, so yeah, and James Lindsay has described it as that. We've talked about the circles of the, uh, you know, the inner core and the followers and believers and all of that. But the, I, I'm, I'm most curious though about your your dismissal of what Helen Joyce said about the culture bound syndrome, and how the the people who are going to fight to the death to maintain this are the ones who transed their own kids. That's what she said. Well. They're taking they're taking on the transfer on kid, and I said, "Well, um, 
I ask, why are some of the mainline, um, what I say about that is Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan feminists, and even going back to the suffragettes um, from over 100 years ago, well, that point is, is the modern disciples of Betty Friedan and uh, Betty Friedan and Gloria Steinem would say, um, and I said, well, we'll defer. This is too, this is too, such a too emotional thing. And I really don't think I can really bring shame onto, onto these parents that transitioned their kids. And, um, yet the grace from you and I are, um, um, is, uh, well, um, it's your money, you know, it's your, it was your time and your money that you can't get back. And thank you for explaining to whole society what you think your relationship to the universe is and to one fellow man, because, you know, you've taken something to the extreme. And I said, any deviation from the truth leads to a multitude of mistakes. That's a paraphrase of a quote from Aristotle. And uh, if you wanted to buy into the experts thing, and uh, it truly comes, that's where the, the latter quote you played is, is correct. Um, it's taking the Hillary Clinton adage, it takes a village to an extreme, and that's when you find the error. And the evangelical, the Protestant evangelical movement and its counterparts of the scarlet thread of, thread of redemption running through practitioners historic, of the development of historical Christendom, yeah, we have a problem. We have a big problem uh, conversing with people that have transitioned their kids. That, uh, okay, well, all right. Well, then I guess we can agree on that. Mark, I appreciate the call. I don't know that the word salad there. I mean, I know about the word salad. I appreciate the call. I, I found Helen Joyce's comments to be very clear, direct, understandable, but uh, I guess to each their own. Um, but one of the things about the detransitioners, these are the apostates, as Abigail Schreier explained them. The apostates have to be silenced, and that's why you get a lot of the, the backlash that you see on social media against detransitioners. So a female detransitioner is suing the doctors who facilitated her attempted gender transition when she was a vulnerable teenager, accusing them of medical malpractice and using unfair and deceptive trade practices, causing her years of both uh, psychological and physical pain. Prisha Mosley says she suffered severely from mental and emotional health issues as a child and young teen. I believe she is from uh, Gaston County. She's suing... Shana Gordon, a licensed counselor in North Carolina who works for Tree of Life Counseling. Bree Klein-Fowler of the North Carolina-based Family Solutions. Um, Dr. Eric Emerson, plastic surgeon who removed her breasts. Um, And it also names Dr. Martha Fairbanks-Perry, a physician with Moses Cone Medical Services, also in North Carolina. Mosley uh, now realizes she is not and never was a boy. She continues to experience pain, suffering, and emotional distress as a result of living in a body that has not developed the way it should be. And maybe these lawsuits do help to 
stem the tide a little bit. But Schreier isn't convinced anymore. Thank <laughs> you.